there is this saying and phrase that your new life is going to cost you your old life. So sometimes what's required are your difficult conversations and difficult decisions because you can only issue an invitation for people to come along on the journey with you. You certainly cannot force them to. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Schools is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom, and whatever your goals are, together we're making them a reality. When we become parents, we so often see the opportunity of where we want to show up for our kids, for ourselves, really the type of life that we want to commit to. And our guest today, Kareen, also known as Corey, is a single mom who really saw this for herself. She was fully committed to providing the best life for her daughter, but she knew there had to be a better way to do that. So she set out to build wealth, optimize her performance so she could have more freedom and time. She truly believes that you can have it all. And you know that we talk about that a lot here. And in the last 10 years, she has been on a journey spiritually in her business, wealth creation, and doing what it takes to create an extraordinary impact in life for her and her daughter. So her purpose is to really help us tap into the power of the subconscious, unlock new levels of wealth, success, and freedom. She's a native Washingtonian who has left a successful career in luxury real estate for entrepreneurship, investing, and personal development. She became obsessed with combining the power of peak performance, intuition, and purpose to harness untapped potential. The last 10 years have been a journey for her, like we talked about, into spirituality, business, and wealth creation doing what it takes to create that impact in life. Her mission as a human potential epigenics coach, holistic wealth mentor, and hypnobreathwork therapist is to help others tap into the power of a regulated nervous system and the subconscious to unlock new levels of you. And today we talk about why this is important for you, just you as you, as an individual. We talk about why this is important as a parent, as a person leading anyone else alongside you in your life, whether it's your partner, your coworker, your teams, your friends, family, any of that. We talk about that nervous system regulation, the subconscious, what is it? And how do you tap into it? How do you work through it? What is money mindset? How can you allow yourself to really live what many refer to as an abundant lifestyle? What is abundance? How do you tap into it? What does it mean to be an expander and be expanded by others? Daily actions that you can take. How do you tap into this as a mom, as an individual and everything else and really having tangible takeaways and aha moments throughout this. So I know you're going to love it. Buckle up because Corey is dropping some good stuff today. Kareen, I'm so excited to have you here. I cannot wait to dig into all these goodies. As a parent to young kids myself, I feel so honored to have this conversation as a newer parent because we can implement these things early on in our parenting journey. But also, it allows us to step into our individual identity in a different way, motherhood, business, money mindset, all of the different things. So we're going to dig into all of the goodies. But I want to start with just going back to why you first sought out this information. Let's talk about stepping into motherhood and where you really saw a need to grow your own performance so that you could have some time and freedom with your daughter. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I think that our job as parents, which as when we have our children, we start to realize that they're the greatest teachers for us. And I started to see she was reflecting so much back to me in terms of 
finding more time in my schedule and being able to not just have the time, but have the resources in order to create a kind of a beautiful life for both of us. And what was required was for me to be able to perform at a higher level. So I went down a whole entire rabbit hole of how I was going to start to bring that, I don't know, knowledge forth in my own life. But then also with the work that I do, I started to apply it with my clients. So it was kind of twofold. And we oftentimes teach exactly what we need to learn. And so it's been a beautiful journey of learning how to really access the subconscious mind in, in terms of bringing that forward in healing, but also in being able to show up as the highest version of ourselves. So for those that are like subconscious mind, what do you mean? Like take us back a little bit into some of these like definitions of subconscious mind, nervous system regulation, like money mindset for someone that's like never heard some of these terms. Like what, what is the core at it? Well, so when you say subconscious mind and nervous system and intuition, a lot of times those are interchangeable terms. Um, your intuition and your subconscious mind are definitely very much the same thing. Your nervous system is a little bit more complex than that, but your subconscious mind is connected to your nervous system. And to kind of break that down even further, basically everything that you think, everything that you feel, all of your behaviors, all of your actions actually come from your subconscious mind. Everything that we we do in that regard, it, basically your subconscious mind um, it accounts for 95% of all of those things that I just mentioned, thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors, memories, all of it come from that part of your brain. So your conscious brain is really only responsible for about 5% of all that we do. And we oftentimes think that the, the conscious mind is what is driving the bus, but it's truly our subconscious mind. And our conscious mind is that that which we are fully aware of. And our subconscious mind is oftentimes the things that under the surface that we're unaware of. And that's very much where money mindset would definitely start to come into play with our subconscious mind. Okay. And so using money mindset as an example, let's talk about how your subconscious mind or your conscious mind is different than like the term and maybe sometimes the same as the term like nurture versus nature, because there's our upbringing and there's what we're taught. And then there's what is inherent. And then there's the subconscious and the conscious. So what is kind of the overlap and the differentiation between those terms? Okay, so the, your subconscious mind in relation to, to money mindset would be, well, I, let's back it up and I'll explain. Your subconscious mind is formed from the time you're zero to seven, right? And that's really essentially where the foundations of your money mindset are formed at that place and time. And so when we're looking at nurture versus nature, some of that really starts to be cultural, right? And that could be outside of the context of your home. That could start to be in the environment that you're, you know, you go to school or the community, your friends. And so sometimes it's other people's environment that actually impact you. And so when we start looking at the way that we look and view at money, but many things even beyond the, the money mindset is that we take on the ideas, the thoughts, the beliefs from those around us. And later on, when we're trying to upgrade our money mindset is when we actually look to adopt the beliefs that we are choosing. And that's where subconscious work actually starts to, to come into play. But your money mindset is 
rooted so much more in, in so much more than actually money. So it gets very much tied up with the feelings we have and the things that we've been taught from both our caregivers, mother, father, aunts, uncles, grandparents, teachers, and it gets associated from an, on an emotional level with money. So this kind of that idea of you, it's a very common one when you think like money doesn't grow on trees. Well, logically as an adult, you know that money doesn't grow on trees, but that was probably spewed at you at a time when you were a child, when you wanted something so desperately and you don't really have the idea of, of money and, and what it might cost or what the stress that your parents are probably going through. And they might've like yelled it at you and been angry. And so this idea there's this emotion that gets uh, attached to it and then maybe a level of scarcity. And then there's this trauma that's, that's stored around it too. So I think, I don't know if I fully answered that or I went off on a whole tangent when I'm explaining that to you, but I, just to kind of give some context of what that all means and how your money mindset is formed and how it's on a subconscious level. Yeah, I think that's great. So let's say we have people in maybe three different boats that are listening, right? We have the one person that's like, yeah, I have a bad money mindset. I think in scarcity, I'm, I definitely have these feelings. We have the person in the middle that's like, no, abundance. Like I'm always believing that. And then we have the, or I guess they're at the top. And then the person in the middle, that's kind of like, I don't really know. I mean, like, yeah, I have to work hard and there's bills, but I know that I can create wealth in different ways. So I feel like those are our kind of three different tracks. Let's start with the person in the middle, the person that understands like there's expenses, the person that feels like some days there's some scarcity around money. They're seeing things come in and out of their account. They're not really sure how they're going to create the next level of their dreams. What's one action that that person could take for maybe just like a reflection question or something that they could do to really move themselves a little bit more into the abundance mindset or taking action in a way that did give them that abundance created a more positive money mindset, Where would, what's a daily action or activity that they can start doing? I feel like probably the most perfect thing, and this is actually universally across the board, even for someone who's in an abundance mindset or even in feeling they're, that they're fully in scarcity, A, it starts with gratitude. Gratitude is a massive shifter, both in your subconscious, but also in, your, in an energetic level. So it's just finding a way to tap into the gratitude for what is in front of you, which I know can be very, kind of like, there's like a lot of lip service. I think we hear about like, Oh, gratitude practice, gratitude practice. But when I say a gratitude practice, what I really mean is really trying to generate the actual feeling of gratitude with in you. And that's a part of what happens when we do that is bringing us into the present moment. Because most of the times when we are stuck in a sense of scarcity, or we ebb and flow in between, it's actually that we're leaving the present moment. And we're either stuck in a memory of the past or in fear of the future. But if we're fearing the future, it actually comes full circle because what our fear based off in the future is based off of the past. Wow. That's really powerful because you're right. We hear people talk about gratitude all the time and it's like, be grateful and you know, be grateful for what you have today, but really connecting it to that real conscious thought of when I'm not feeling grateful, I'm not connected to the present moment. I'm really thinking about what's to come, especially, or what has happened in the past. That's really powerful. What are some ways that you could practice this with your kids? What are some ways that you can implement this into your home so that they kind of grow up with this practice? 
Oh, so if you have small children, definitely, I mean, we doing like story time at nighttime, you could start to implement uh, three things that you're grateful for today, uh, kind of exchange, which then you're tapping into your gratitude practice with them, but you're also teaching them and you're, you're leading by example too. So there's like all the most powerful things you can do with your kids is leading by example. And you're, I mean, for lack of a better word, you're killing two birds with one stone, right? You're modeling it to your children and you're getting your gratitude practice in at the same time. Yeah. And what about our parents with a little bit older kids that they're like, well, missed the boat on that one. What can they do now to really bring that back into their family dynamic? I'd say opportunities for that would be if you're still in a situation where you're driving your kids to school, the best time to do anything with your kids, I feel like at that stage is conversations in the car because you know, something about, I think there's that era from, you know, like middle school all the way through high school, that's when those deep conversations actually start to happen. And it's because there's this safety of they're not like looking you in the eye and they feel like they can tell you when they're sitting in the back seat or you're, they're sitting right by your side, it feels like less scary. So I feel like that opportunity in the car, whether it's dropping off at school or picking up from school or whatever it happens to be. And if you, if you are in a place where you have the luxury of still be to still be sitting down to dinner as a family, which I know is not always the most uh, conventional thing these days with schedules. But if that's something that you you practice, or maybe if you don't, maybe it's an opportunity to start to bring that back in because there's so much connection that happens during that time, and so it could be a ritual that you have that you could do it then. And if it's not on a daily, maybe it's something that you prioritize doing once a week. And maybe for kids not in the house, I'm just thinking, would it be like shooting a text message like to them and just being like, Hey, wanted to share with you like my gratitude this week. Like, how do you think that would be received as a mom of a older daughter? What, it, what do you think that how that would go down? <laughs> oh my gosh. I think about that now. I'm like, Oh, so, so my daughter is 23 years old. Um, and we still Snapchat. We have a streak that's like thousands of days old that we started back when she was in, I think she was in high school and she went away for like a sleepaway program. And that was when we started it. And so we message back and forth every day. So if you have a Snapchat situation going on with your child or whatever happens to be the hot platform, I don't know, maybe I'm a little out of touch, but <laughs> maybe that's the way too, is to actually snap it back and forth or a text message, voice note. Cool. I love that. Now for the parent or the woman that is sitting in scarcity, that's like a tough place to be, right? And there's so many different actions to take. Sometimes even just thinking about any of it can be overwhelming, but you know, you don't like where you're at. So what are some of the first ways to start shifting that mindset for yourself and not kind of letting it leak out to your loved ones? I think the fastest way to come out of a state of scarcity is to find some way to do a, an act of generosity for someone else. So where is it that you can put yourself in service to someone else who who needs it because there's such a big shift in perspective and energy when we do that, that is, it ripples out exponentially into the sense of this idea of feeling like we don't have enough or we aren't enough or there's never enough. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you're just giving my brain turning for myself, even always incorporating that into your daily practices or weekly, monthly, whenever you can get like schedule giving back and also bringing your family along, right? Like being able to be like, Hey, here's how we as a family are giving back. So you're kind of 
even on, cause we can get so overwhelmed in the world and with our schedules that if you almost have it scheduled, you allow yourself to not just forget and to make sure that it's in a part of your routine and your schedule. Is there any ways that you make sure to give back either once a year or on a regular basis? Are there some favorite ways that you do that and you show generosity? Oh, absolutely. So, well, first and foremost, I want to leave with the fact that when we're in a sense of scarcity, I think a lot of times the idea of generosity could be hard because it might feel like you don't have enough in terms of finances. So an act of generosity doesn't necessarily have to be financial. Uh, it can literally be of your time and donating you know, some sort of active service in that regard advice, maybe someone you can like support somebody in your same industry or a job that you do that you, or you can mentor someone that is less fortunate. Um, but ways that I definitely do this consistently, one of my most favorite things to do is to give, uh, kind of absor- exorbitant tips. So I love to give my Uber driver a really abundant tip, or if I go out to eat, then I, you know, not just like the standard 20%. And oftentimes you'll find yourself in a situation like this, that where I might be thinking, Oh, like maybe the service wasn't that great. And we might be in a inclination at that moment to not give, but those are the moments that actually, I think we need to give more because the, a lot of times that's like the channel changer for someone because we, you know, we we never know, maybe the service isn't so good that day because of something awful that's going on in that person's life or awful situation at work. And just by that one act, you're giving someone relief there. So that's, those are my two favorite sort of very often things that I do as a, as practice. And then of course I, inside of my business, I offer um, scholarships to my programs, to people that, that I know cannot afford it, but need the resources in order to grow their business. Um, I will from time to time do things like a like soup kitchen and volunteer my time then, or donate services or goods to, to people that need it. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think it's just being in that, trying to even shift just the scarcity mindset of there's no way I can give back to how could I, how could I give back in any possible way and finding a solution for that and just getting really, you know, we talk a lot about having a problem solver mindset on this show. And I think it starts there, like just figuring out how is the any way I could give back. I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, there's so many things that people navigate, you know, you being a single mom, you being able to know that that was a time where many people would say, well, I can't give back because I'm in this situation where there's always something. And maybe it's even just the first thing that comes to my mind, having younger kids is like, maybe it's having my kids draw a picture and like giving it to someone like on the street or someone that I feel like is struggling, like something that doesn't really take that much of my time or money, but could brighten someone's day. And the other thing I love that you said was it's not always when you've received something good, like good service, because we definitely can be like, oh, I had great service. So I'm going to give back extra to this person when it's maybe like you said, the person that isn't giving the greatest service that needs to have a little bit more faith in humanity and love to know that they're loved and be able to move forward. So I really, really love that. Now let's talk about a person that's in abundance. The person that's in abundance, they've overcome some of these things. They've made it a daily practice. They're feeling good, which we know can be seasonal, right? Like a person that's in abundance may then dip into a different season and not feel that. But if you are feeling this, how can you bring others along with you? How are some ways that you can reach out a hand to someone that you maybe see 
struggling or someone that you see is in a scarcity mindset rather than just going to them and being like, be abundant. What are some of the ways that you can kind of bring people along with you and help be a leader? Oh my goodness. I mean, I think the idea of inviting someone in maybe is maybe it's the best thing to do is invite them into like whatever your rituals are. So if you have, if you're on your way to volunteer and give back, invite someone that, you know, needs a shift and that's leading by example, rather than saying, Hey, I'm asking you to do this because this is like part of how I live in abundance. It's just, Hey, I need your help here. Could be a way to do that. Um, I think powerful questioning can also be be something in those situations. It's a real invitation. And one of my, one of my most favorite questions is what are you pretending not to know? So perhaps someone is, is in a situation that's like that. And you happen to be in, in a conversation, sometimes asking these like powerful questions is enough of an invitation for people to tap into it. But I also think that another method to invite someone on that journey would also be to give to that person, right? Somehow, you know, providing a level of abundance for them so that they can feel it. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Now let's say you're trying to make this transition and you're really working on your subconscious, your nervous system regulation, your money mindset, all of the things, but someone else in your home isn't on that journey with you. So every day in the environment you're in, you're kind of feeling like you're knocked down and you're trying to lift yourself up, but it's really hard when that person's in your direct environment. What are some pieces of advice for that person? So when we're talking about nervous system regulation, I think those in, in that context, one of the most powerful things that you can do is stop and make eye to eye contact with someone and engage in some level of conversation in that way. So just that in and of itself may shift the other person to rise to your level. But in whatever context, when you know that you desire to be living in a certain way and in a certain, whether it's a level of habits or just a certain kind of energy, we have to a be super clear on that and maintain that level. And so it's just a you're not going to allow the the people that are in your environment to pull you down. And it's a continuous invitation for them to rise. And I think that once you decide to operate at a certain level, what happens is you keep your eye on the, um, where you're going, where you're the, the eye on the prize, I guess, for lack of a better word. And knowing that by operating at that level, the people around you are either going to rise to meet you or it may be time to make some shifts and changes, right? There are certain changes in the people that we spend time with that are within our control. I think most of them are outside of like, you know, your, your children, you certainly can't get rid of them because they're your children and you wouldn't want to, right? But when we start looking at, especially like friendships and those kinds of things, when we decide to, that we want to be live at a certain level, there's this saying and phrase that your new life is going to cost you your old life. So Sometimes what's required are your difficult conversations and difficult decisions because you can only issue an invitation for people to come along on the journey with you. You certainly cannot force them to. Yeah, I love that. 
Okay. So one of the things that you also do is hypno breath work. I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about hypno breath work. What is that? How can you introduce it into your life? When should it be used? What are some of the safety precautions around it? And how would you maybe engage with someone virtually or in person to lead you through a hypno breath work session? Um, okay, so hypno breath work, I'll give you a little bit of a background on exactly what it is. It is breath work, hypnosis, and visioning all together in one powerful experience. So it's really efficient in time um, and impact all in, all in one situation. It is, there's really no context with which you cannot use it. It could be used to heal things that are, you know, emotional past traumas, those sorts of things. Or it can actually be used to start to perform at a higher level, maybe in the context of let's just say that you want to run a marathon and you want to PR on your marathon. It would be a perfect way to use it. Or maybe you need to tap into some creativity for us, you know, to find a solution, whether it's in your work or just any kind of maybe adversity problem obstacle you might be facing that you need to be able to move out and look more from a bird's eye view rather than like down in the weeds of it. And hypno breath work really allows us to be able to, to do that. So hypnosis basically allows you to go into the subconscious mind after we've flooded the body with oxygen, which primes you to be in a place where your subconscious mind is open and your subconscious mind, you can go in and take those old beliefs that I mentioned earlier in the podcast came from a time that you were not the one making the decision about how to think, feel, or believe. You were just taking in this whole new world. And we get to, through hypnosis, rewire and reprogram that part of our mind to match where, where we want to be going. And once we access whatever the route is that we need to, to shift, then we move into visioning. And visioning actually starts to tap into the idea of neuroplasticity in our brain, which you may have heard of before. So our brain actually is kind of like a ball of clay that we can continuously mold. And so through visioning, whatever it is that you want to step into, whatever that you know solution or new identity or new way of being, you can start to practice it. So we start to see it in our mind kind of playing out like a movie in a session which is really powerful because your mind doesn't really know the difference between you imagining it and you actually doing it. So if we are have, need to have a difficult conversation or PR in our marathon, you can see it. And then when you go do it in the 3D waking world, it doesn't feel like you're doing it for the first time, which is really powerful because then it becomes a lot easier. And this is something that professional athletes have been using and doing for so long. For example, um, Michael Phelps, who won the one of won many gold medals, but one of them in particular, he won when his goggles broke in the middle of a race. And part of the piece where he said it was like attributed to him winning was it was a scenario that he had visualized. His coach had been like, what are the things that could possibly go wrong during a race? And I want you to visualize them. And he had visualized his goggles breaking. So when that happened in real life, then he knew what to do. It was just like he switched right into action in the race. It did not even, you know, it didn't even cost him any time. Um, and so for us as not gold medal Olympians, this is still a really powerful thing. If you have to have a hard conversation and you get to practice it, imagine going to do it. It doesn't feel so hard or scary anymore. 
hard conversations. I'm thinking as a parent, like so many things that we carry of like fear in the world and fear of how our kids are going to have to navigate things, um, things that are out of our control. I think this allows you to show up as such a stronger parent because you're doing that work yourself as a parent so that you're not really letting that kind of leak out into your kids and you're able to show up for them. And when bad things happen, you know, uh, I have, I'm sure I'm going to end up with kids scraped up and beat up and my boys are very active. So things are going to happen and I'm going to be, have to be able to respond in a different way and being able to do that all the way up to really difficult conversations with teens and young adults that you're having to navigate. You know, I'm sure that you even have some of your own stories you don't have to share here today, <laughs> but of your daughter coming to you with things that you're like, all right, I'm going to I know how to respond to this because I've done some work and being able to go away and do that. So I think that's so applicable, whether it's personally, professionally, um, in all the different relationships that we carry. What are some ways that you can kind of transition into this? In the example of how can we get our kids to start being thoughtful about visualization and breath work if they're not maybe doing a full session of hypno breath work? Is there kind of like a a staircase that we can climb to go up to, or do you just jump all in? Oh, uh, no, as I wouldn't recommend for children to be actually doing hypno breath work. Um, but you can definitely, they can practice breath exercises. I mean, you could do box breath. Um, what else could you do? I think the four, seven, eight breath, they can probably do that too. And those breath patterns are actually used to help regulate your nervous system. So I think the best starting point for kids is actually to start to bring awareness to how they're feeling in their body and how you can empower them to transition out of those states, right? So learning how to, like, if you're feeling anxious or scared, how to basically be self-led in that place. It's like, I recognize that this is a feeling that I'm feeling in my body. And I would start with when they might feel like that and you're having dialogue around it is to actually start to pinpoint where it is in the body, bring awareness, like, oh, you're feeling anxious. Well, where is it in your body that you're starting to feel that? And the more aware we are of the sensations that are related to the emotions, we can also then start to become aware to the things that are in our environment that might have triggered the emotion. And then the next step from that, once we identify that is to notice, okay, well, now I know that when I'm playing video games, with my friends that that actually makes me feel anxious. So then can you catch the thought? Now, you know, it's the video game that made the feeling, but before you got to the feeling, you had a thought. So then the next step would be a little bit like more advanced. If you continuing to become aware of these things, what was the thought that that was triggered by the video game that then made you have the feeling? So good. So great. Okay. Let's take this back to money. There are people that talk about money rituals, right? What are some money rituals? How do you truly work on creating wealth? You know, you have a program called the Wealth Catalyst and it's the holistic wealth program that you create. What does that mean? What does it mean to be like holistically wealthy? What does it mean to create kind of a wealth journey? Take take us through that. Ah, well, I mean, wealth is way more than than dollars in in the bank, right? There are so many people out in the world who are rich in dollars, but they are not wealthy. They might be be carrying around tremendous amount of anxiety. They don't care for their health. So foundationally, it's wealth is a state of being 
And when we can start to cultivate that well-being of, you know, that sense of wealth within us, then we can start to translate that into the wealth in, in the bank account. And so from a holistic standpoint, we start, um, one prioritizing like self-care and your actual health. Like how are you doing to make sure that you are nurturing your health? Because at the foundation level of wealth truly is our health. I mean, you could have a billion dollars, but if you don't have your health, then you are definitely going to feel like you are poor, right? Because there's even no amount of money oftentimes that can reverse certain health issues, right? So that's the primary piece. Um, and then from like a ritual standpoint, if there was one thing that I could say from like a tangible sort of tactical thing that you could start to do with your money is to actually become intimate with it. And what I mean is get really acquainted with, I mean, making it a habit of checking your bank account, um, knowing where all of your money is, that would be good communication, like you would be having with a person. Um, and something that I teach all of my clients is to set aside time to do that, which we, I call the money dates. And so setting aside time to have a money date. And I know that when we don't have money, you can feel like, Oh my gosh, I don't even want to look at an account. And you like want to like log on and like close your eyes and, um, just be like, Oh my God, Oh my God, is there going to be money in the bank? Ah, right. But the more we start to be good stewards of our money and have a good relationship is when we actually start to invite more in. And if we don't, if we don't develop that relationship, if we're looking at the spiritual laws, it's kind of like the universe is going to look at it from the standpoint of like, well, you're not a good steward of what you have. So I certainly cannot send you more. Yeah. And I think that I've heard the saying from people before where it's like, you spend what you make, right? And I think that's a different way of thinking about it in a little more <laughs> structured and environmentally, like to say, you know, you need to be a steward of what you have. And I think especially, you know, we talk about how we support the other people in our life on this show. And that's, you know, your kids, or your partner, your friends and clients, coworkers, all of that to say like, you're leading by example, right? You want to be able to create a good relationship with money for your family, for yourself. And I know from coming from having $0 in my bank account most weeks in college to creating um, a situation I'm pretty proud of is to be able to say like, okay, you have to be able to go to take care of what you don't have to take care of what you will have and be able to have good practices in place. And like you said, you know, be a good steward, but also respect for yourself and your money, right? So if you're receiving your paycheck every week and every single week you're using down to every last dollar to things that don't actually bring you joy or happiness or wealth in all the ways you were just talking about that holistic health and wealth, then it doesn't provide an ongoing support to you. It's just in and out and in and out. And so really getting strategic with how you're using your assets of your life, which are your time, energy, money, all of that to be able to come back together. So I absolutely love that. Now, sometimes that we can say these things and we can be like, okay, that sounds great. I'm still just like not really understanding the bridge to take. And I think one of the best things for that is really immersing yourself in concepts and really immersing yourself in like a community and a language that maybe is different to you. Just like you, you know, if I wanted to learn Spanish, I know that the best thing to do is to go immerse myself in the language. I think immersing yourself in the language of these topics that you maybe want to become more well-versed in or, um, just 
better at is really positive. And your podcast is called the Super Expander Podcast. And for those that have maybe not been super familiar with the term expander, that's something that on my journey, I've really noticed that that's truly what these people can be. When you're immersing yourself in this language, you're being expanded by the mentors, the resources, the supporters in whatever topic it is that you're looking for. And so I know that you expand people on all these different topics, but I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about that concept of being an expander and being expanded by others and how that's impacted your journey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the, well, how I came to name the the podcast super expander is because I definitely in my journey, I've had so many expanders and to really peel back what an expander is, is someone who, when you see them, you, they, they show you that it's possible for you, but on a deeper level, why that is so powerful is we have something in our brain called mirror neurons. And when we look at someone doing something that we want to do, your brain basically can just watch them and extrapolate a lot just from the witnessing of someone doing it. Your brain takes it in. And then from that place, you can just actually do the thing. We don't always necessarily need these like nitty gritty, take a course, listen to the information. This is how kids learn how to walk, right? They observe other, they observe their parents doing it. And they're like, oh, that's how that works. I'm just going to try it then. So when you see someone doing the thing, you can actually just start to take steps because you have this strong internal knowing and you just need a model very often of how exactly to get there. Now, that's not to say that seeking out mentorship and someone can collapse time for you, but the idea of just being able to observe someone else doing what you want to do makes your brain, makes your body on like this physiological level know that you can do it too. Yeah. So good. So what are some of the ways that you expand people, um, just real, you know, we've talked about so many of them today, but what are your favorites? Like for someone that is listening and they're like, okay, I want to be expanded. I'm going to go pop over. I'm going to listen to Corey's podcast. I'm going to go tap into her wealth catalyst program or her free money block workbook, all of those different things. What are the best ways for you to expand others? Uh, So my most favorite thing is teaching about the nervous system because I think it's this foundational piece for you to achieve every single thing that you want to achieve in your life. And we start to become the master of our nervous system. It allows us to then become the master of our time and our energy. And so when I'm teaching and sharing with people how to approach their dreams and their desires, that's the starting point. And then we really move into time management, which is probably the most unsexy thing when you start talking about that. But you know, time is our most non-renewable resource. And when we become really adept at being able to leverage it. Like oftentimes we hear people walking around like, Oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. We actually have an abundance of time. We just are terrible at using it well. And the people that are the most successful in the world have learned how to leverage their time. And when you learn how to leverage and use your time really well, you can actually start to create wealth at an exceptionally rapid rate. And so those are my favorite topics. And I feel like once you are able to master those, you pretty much, there's nothing that can get in your way. I think that's so true. Now, let's talk about how you can bring, a, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but someone's going to listen to you. They're like, oh my gosh, Corey's going to be my expander. I'm going to go tap into all of these different things. 
how can they bring these practices into their parenting journey or their leadership journey, whoever they're leading, whether it's their kids, anyone else? What are some ways that you speak about even the way you're being expanded by your mentors or the way you're growing? How do you really speak that into how you parent or speak that into your different relationships? Are there some ways that you try to show up differently each day? And it might even be just caring for yourself, right? Like it might making sure that you have 10 minutes a day so that you can show up as the best version of yourself. And that might be it. But what are some of the ways that you really show up for yourself and others? Well, so you want to kind of just take exactly what you said right there. The idea of prioritizing your nervous system as like a because nervous system regulation actually is a, it's a lifestyle. And so it's a piece of self care. And if you prioritize that at the top of your day and like different check ins, the way that you parent the way that you lead, whatever your job is, is going to be so different. Because when we're in a dysregulated state, we're operating from a place in our body, basically, your nervous system is like deciding whether you're going to a lion's chasing you and going to eat you, or um, whether you kind of have to leave your body because it's too painful, essentially. And so though that's when we respond and react in certain ways that cause results in our life that are not the ones that we want. And so when we make this piece a priority, and you expand your capacity to stay present and calm in the in the present moment, I promise you the way that you interact with your children will be different. The way that you show up with your partner will be exponentially different. And the way that you show up and whether it's your career, your business, um, whatever it happens to be, will also be like, it'll actually be in true alignment with who you are. And you'll be able to continuously step into your purpose and your truth from that place. Amazing. I love that. Okay, so before we wrap up today, you know, this month we're really talking about financial literacy, making sure that we can always improve. I'd love for you to just chat about that, like how this is a never ending journey that our money mindset, our ability for how we show up for ourselves and others, like there's no end game, which sometimes can be scary, right? It can kind of be like, I'm never going to be good enough, but that's kind of the beauty. Like, and I've been able to come to that myself, but that can be hard too, because it can feel like the work is never done, that you're always working through this. And depending on where you started, like you said um, before, whether it's your cultural background, your upbringing, your environments that you've been um, handed and chosen, all of the different ones, that it can feel like this never ending journey. How do you find the beauty in that? And how do you continue down this path without being overwhelmed? So I think the idea of the work never being done or this, we're on this, we're basically climbing a mountain that never has a actual top. We get to these, these summits, we get to breathe for a moment, and then we get to climb a little bit further. And when we start to look at it like that, I think what starts to happen is you start to realize that there's no race to the end. And so the ability to be in that presence, I think is the part that allows us to fall in love with the journey and the process because you're actually able to start to prioritize things like uh, rest, self-care, time with family. Because what I think what happens for so many of us is when we're in the, the grind to get to the, we're like, I'm going to do all this work and then I'm going to get to that point. We allow all of these other facets of our life to kind of go unattended to, and then you get to the place 
And you realize that this kind of side of your life has kind of fallen into shambles, whether it's like your relationship or you haven't been paying enough attention to your kids, your friends, your, your own health. And then you get there and you find out like, well, what is it worth? And so I think adopting that place of understanding that it is, and it gets to be a journey that you get to also infuse celebrations into, because we oftentimes set these goals for us that that we start to put our eye on this target, whether it's the inner work or an actual like achievement. And then we forget to actually celebrate it. And that's also, I think when we start to not fall in love with the process, right? Because we never actually feel good about anything. We get to the thing and then we set another goal. Then we end up in burnout and you're like, what is this all worth? But when we actually carve out the time to celebrate the achievements and you know, little micro achievements along the way. You don't actually have to hit the big goal to celebrate. There can be a celebration for like the little micro achievements that take you towards the the big goal along the way. So I think celebration is a huge piece of, of the process. And I think a third piece, if I'm going to add another thought into that, is that when we are moving towards something, inner work, big goal, whatever it happens to be, is how we get there oftentimes, I mean, it's these habits that we have to put into place, right? And so when we actually start to stop thinking of habits as being like so boring and just actually part of, um, I don't know, part of, it's like the structure that creates the freedom. And so instead of feeling like these things are boxing us in, is this approach and understanding that it's, that's what's creating the freedom and space for all of the things that we want outside of that. Mm, Yeah, I love that. It's really building your lifestyle rather than checking boxes and allowing yourself to show up for who you want to be, not just because you checked off the box. Absolutely. So I love that. I love that. Celebration can be so hard for people, especially when we are trying to hit like a specific goal and move towards that and those micro celebrations, especially that you chatted about. And, you know, going back to the money part of it, if we aren't feeling like we have this abundance of finances to put towards a celebration, they they don't have to coexist, right? There's so many different types of celebrations that don't require giant elaborate vacations or big fancy dinners or whatever. What are some ways that people can be more creative with celebrations? Because when you are in overwhelm, whether it's with healing or working through your subconscious or it's just parenting life, whatever it is, Sometimes I hear all the time from the women in our community, I'm like, how are you going to celebrate? They're like, I don't know. What are some of the ways that you could get creative to be better about celebrating? Mm, Oh my gosh. I think there's so many different ways. So I have a ritual practice that I do with my clients and it's create, I call it creating a live list. And so we sit down and we don't do bucket list items. We do live lists, which, so those can be very like small experiences. They don't have to be a big thing. Maybe there's a coffee shop in your area that you've been wanting to go to. You have kids and you, you, you would never dream of going there with your kids. So, and you've been working towards this goal. So you set this micro target and you did the things all week long. You did the things that were working towards the goal. So maybe you can schedule some time in there so that you can go and luxuriously sit at the at the coffee shop and you know order a beautiful delicious 
fancy latte, which is, you know, not going to cost. I mean, maybe it's not something that we spend money on like every single day, but you know, our, our $10 latte, you could allow yourself to sit in the coffee shop away from your kids time for you by yourself and enjoy this decadent latte or mocha or whatever it is that you love. And that could be a celebration or maybe there's like a park or a, a hike that you want to go on that does, that could totally be a celebration. And maybe you want to include your family in it. So it certainly doesn't have to even mean that you spend $1 on it. Maybe you've been wanting to have a picnic somewhere and you can create this really rich experience for yourself just by going outside and, you know, having your lunch that you are going to have at home, but instead on a blanket in a park nearby. Yeah, I love that you're bringing back to like experiential as well, because that is truly it. And going back to the very beginning of what we were talking about is really being present. You know, that was really the theme through so much of what we chatted about today is being present and loving where you're at. So I love that so much. Corey, Green, I am so excited to have you here. This was such a great conversation. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today? Is there anything that is still on your heart to leave with them? And otherwise, where else can we find you and connect with you and tap into you more? Uh, I, well, I think that the, the biggest thing, and this is something that I, I share with my clients too, is that the if you are ever feeling that you you are like not where you want to be, one of the, I think, easiest practices that you can adopt is the next time that you are checking out at the grocery store, stop and look at the, the person checking you out, like the cashier, look them in their eye, or maybe it's the person at the bank that you go in, wherever it happens to be, look them in the eye and ask them how they are doing. And I promise you just that little act is going to shift how you're feeling and move you into a better state of being because so oftentimes the reason that we are feeling this way is because we kind of are all walking around feeling like we are alone, head in our phones, head in the computer, and just a moment of co-regulation with another human being can be the most powerful shift. I mean, just imagine when like someone, I don't know, like looks at you and asks you, how's your day going? And it was so unexpected that you can be that for someone else will actually, it's back kind of back to this idea of generosity. When you make the move first, everything starts to shift in your favor when we go first. And I feel like that's the easiest little task that we can, or exercise that we can actually adopt to create a massive shift in our day and our life. Um, yeah. So that's my, I guess like parting recommendation words of wisdom for the listeners and how can you find me uh i am on instagram my name my handle is corine.felt uh, i love getting dms so come over say hi it's really me answering and let me know that you listen to this podcast because i always love to know how people find me and i also have something for your listeners i have a a basically it's a money mindset workbook that I would love to gift to to each and everyone listening. Thank you so much. I am definitely excited to tap into that myself and everyone listening. We will put the link to that in the show notes. So make sure you guys take action on that because like we said, the journey's never ending and this is so valuable to anyone at any point in your journey. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so thank you so much for having me. I am so grateful to have been able to have this conversation with you. Thank you. See you guys next week. You, your story, and what you have to offer this world fills me up. 
I want to meet you. Join me on Instagram at this is Kelsey Smith and let's create a ripple effect for mamas with goals. Together is better.